Well, we're finishing up a series today called Engaging Deep Water. Engaging Deep Water. And what I've been trying to do with this series is sort of push our church forward, out further into the deep, sort of step off of that safe place and go ahead and jump into that place where God has all of his blessings for us. This place where God is in covenant with us. You see, God has for years reached down unto us and said, listen, um, you don't have to put that up yet for us just in just a moment. He's reached down to us and said, listen, I know where you are. I can feel where you are. I've been there. I've gone through it all and I'm with you. But now there's a point where God is saying, listen, I'm not going to continue to come down and wallow in the misery with you. I know you've had a hard time. I know you've had a, a hard go of it. I real, I've seen it. I saw it before you got there. I saw it before you were born. I knew you would be in a hard place. I knew you would go through that thing. I knew people would talk about you. I knew you would lose the job. I knew all of those things before it happened. And now you're at the point where you got to stop wallowing. You're at that point where Joshua was at after Moses died. And he said, listen. My servant Moses is dead. You, the time for grieving is over. Now it is time for you to get up, dust yourself off, wipe your tears away, and let's move forward. And you may not see the end. I know the end, God is saying, but it's time for us to move forward. And the only way we're going to do that is to go ahead and jump in. As long as we're on the sideline, as long as we stand on the shore, as long as we stand on the edge of the pool, all we can do is look and see the other folks frolicking in the pool, right? God is saying to jump in. Deep waters we wade into, they're ankle deep, they're knee deep, they're they're waist deep, they're chest deep, and finally they come to the point where they're over our head and we're all the way into it. That's why my definition of of deep water now, you can put it up, my definition of this deep water series has been this. It has been to say that I will push past my personal hindrances. Listen, every one of us, every one of us, no matter what church you're in this morning or what campus all around the world, has some things that hinder us. That hinder us. I know for me, uh, you know, it's as simple as coming into service sometimes and thinking about all these things and, you know, this, the song's going right and do we have this thing and that person needs prayer and all of that thing and I'm coming into a, a place where I need to worship the Lord and there's a, not that there are wrong things or anything like that uh, or even sent by the devil. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying things that can take our attention away from what God wants our attention on. There are things that we can take, but we need to take and take them with us and bring them before the Lord. Instead of stopping, turning, not being able to multitask, all right, and all of our attention is now on that, all right, it's shiny object syndrome is what I call it. You ever heard of that shiny object? Going along one way, oh, shiny object, and now you're this way, oh, another shiny object, right? And that's what sometimes some of us have. We have personal hindrances, but now we need to push past those things, those distractions, and now wade into the deep waters of God's presence with my praise, with my worship, and with an open heart of, get this now, watch, expectation. We have to have an expectation. You don't expect anything, You won't get anything. Isn't that right? We have to have an expectation. God wants us to have an expectation. 
That's why he told Peter back in Luke chapter 5 verse 4. He said, push out now into the deep water. I want to get you to a place where I can talk to you, where I can pour into you, where I can show you some deep things, a place without distraction. I want to talk to you. Our desire should be to push out so deep until that thing just encompasses us. We need to understand this, that deep waters are where I have a spiritual encounter with God. You want a spiritual encounter with God? Don't expect to be in the crowd. Everybody's talking, this person and that person. You're never going to hear the still small voice when all of these distractions are around. There are sometimes we need to go to our prayer closet, get alone, where you take the phone off the hook, you don't answer any questions, and you just get alone with God. Spiritual encounter that transforms my life. Deep waters are where I worship God with heartfelt passion and an insatiable thirst for God. Thirsty people worship deeply. Thirsty people worship deeply. If you have your Bible this morning, turn to Psalm 42. That's where we're going to land. That's where we're going to come from. And uh, boy, God really, this is something that you've heard. We've actually sung this uh, before in a song, but uh, God really has a word for us this morning. He really has an encouragement. He has a word for us. So I, I pray that you open your heart this morning and really hear what God is calling us to. Amen. Calling us to this deep water. Psalm 42, starting at uh, verse 1, says this from the New King James Version. says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Here's what I want you to understand about this situation here with David. You see, David obviously was a worshiper. We know that David was a king, but he also knew how to worship God. And I'm not just talking about throwing your hands up in the air or singing a beautiful melody. He knew how to worship from someplace deep within himself, how to worship God. Because God had taken him through so many things. You have to remember, back in the Old Testament, there was a time when there was no real corporate worship. If you wanted to worship, you as a family, you had to build an altar. And then maybe you or your family went out there and you worshiped God at that altar. But then there came a time where when Moses came along, uh, God told, instructed him to build a tabernacle. Okay, And in this tabernacle, you had the outer court, you had the inner court, and then you had the most holy place. The Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the presence of God was. But this tabernacle of Moses was movable. So they had to break it down. They moved it and set it all back up. And they had all of this furniture in there. All right. Then at a later time came the Temple of Solomon. That was a permanent structure where the presence of the Lord was. But in between there, we find this situation here where David had what he called the Tabernacle of David. Anybody ever heard of the Tabernacle of David? Now, this is a time when, remember when the Philistines came and they raided the Israelites and they took the very presence of God, believe it or not, from the Israelites. 
They took the Ark of the Covenant and then that's when they had it. Remember all those diseases and all of that came upon the Philistines. And finally, it came to a point where they said, listen, take this thing back. We don't want this thing anymore because it's bringing destruction on us in our land. So David and everyone and, and, and the Israelites went and got that thing back. And then they didn't carry it back right. And Uzzah went to touch it when it was falling off the cart. And God killed him because there was a way that seems right to man. But the end thereof is destruction. You, you want to do things your way and you think it's right. And uh, God says, no, it's my way or the highway. Uzzah found that out. So did the children of Israel. But they finally brought it back. The Ark of the Covenant went into Obed-Edom's house uh, okay and Obed-Edom's house was blessed and David said man this guy's house is blessed boy the, the presence of the Lord is real so he said listen what we need to do is build a tabernacle so he built a tabernacle for the presence of the Lord and what happened is only one piece of furniture if you study it only one piece of furniture made it into this tabernacle out of all of the furniture that was in the tabernacle of Moses only one made it into the tabernacle of David and that was the Ark of the covenant the presence of God was there now David set this tabernacle up had his people set this tabernacle up and the tabernacle was only a few blocks from his palace only a few blocks from his house okay so David at any moment could go out open up his curtains and see the tabernacle well then God instructed them to have hundreds of priests serve at the tabernacle actually what they did was it was open 24 7 and so there were hundreds of priests and they took turns 24 hours a day somebody was there worshiping and praising God in the presence of the Lord and it was just ongoing all the time somebody was praying somebody was worshiping and if David ever missed the presence of the Lord he could just walk out on top of his castle there or open his curtains and he could hear whatever band it was he heard Hillsong singing over there or Fred Hammond or whoever it was you know there were just hundreds of priests just singing praying and doing all and he just had the presence of the Lord there even when his son died uh, he had on sackcloth and ashes and he was going through all of this and then his son finally died and he wiped himself off it doesn't matter what time it was 7 p.m. 2 a.m. 5 a.m. he could go right over there and get right into the presence of the Lord because 24 7 the priests were over there serving and worshiping God Amen. I don't expect you to remember all that. Walk down memory lane very fast. Walk through about hundreds and hundreds of years uh, of history. But David, you have to understand that David had the presence of the Lord at his reach. He could at any moment go into the presence of the Lord. Well, there came a time where he was attacked. And to make a long story short, this was a time where he was away from God's presence. He had, his people had been scattered. He was trying to encourage himself. And he remembered that longing feeling that he had when he was in God's presence. There he said, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you. We're not talking about a deer that's all right, everything's okay, and he's just walking along and says, oh, there's some water, drink some water, and he keeps on going about his business. We're talking about a deer that possibly was running from a lion. He was running from his life and he could not stop until the lion got tired. Now the deer's worn out and he can barely make it to the water brook. He's panting for the water. That's the way David panted for the presence of God. This is where we should be. 
As the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, oh my God. My soul thirsts for you. I heard this story, and I thought it was a great illustration. You may have heard it, but there's a story of a young man who wanted to be rich. Okay, he wanted to be successful in life. And so there was a guru who was wise and successful and rich. And he said, well, I'm going to go to this guy, Matthew, and I'm going to ask him some questions. How do I get to where you are? How do I get to your point? And the guy said, okay, you want to be successful? You want to be rich? He said, meet me down by the water uh, tomorrow at 4 a.m. Meet me down there by on the beach. And this guy said, meet you on the beach? Well, I'm looking to get rich. I don't want to go swimming. I don't know what this guy's telling me to meet him on the beach, but okay. And then at 4 a.m., why do I have to get up and be down there at 4 a.m.? So he met him down there on the beach, and he told him, he said, walk out a little bit into the water. This is sort of an Ezekiel 47, like we've been talking about. He said, walk out into the water a little bit. So he walked out a little bit, and it was around his ankles, and the guru said, "Mm -mm, walk out a little bit more. So he walked out a little bit more and the water was around his knees and he's thinking, well, what is a fish going to jump up out of the water and give me some money or what's supposed to be happening here? And the guru said, no, walk out a little bit more. And uh, he walked out, he was waist deep and he said, look, this is getting ridiculous. I'm just going to go. I mean, I, you know, I can't take this anymore. This old man doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, he may be rich, he may be wise, or maybe he was wise at one point in his life, but now I think he's a little senile, so I'm going to turn around and go. And then the old man said, no, then you don't want it then he said I do want it he said well then do what I'm asking you to do go out a little bit more and when he got out a little bit more the man grabbed him and threw him under the water and the guy was reaching and grabbing and doing all these things and he had him under there for quite a while now here's a question talk back to me this morning here's a question what did that man under the water want to do most he wanted to breathe And the old man got him back up and said, until you want to be successful as much as you want to breathe, you'll never be successful. And what God is saying to us this morning, until you want my presence as much as you want to breathe every day, you'll never get it the way I want to give it to you. God wants to give us his presence so much, but we must presence. We must want it as much as we want to breathe. Think about not breathing. I don't know if you've ever had asthma. I did when I was a kid. And I tell you, when I had an asthma attack, there was I would have given up anything. I would have given up my video game. I would have given up chocolate candy. I would have went to school all year round. Whatever it is that my mother, I would have done chores, anything, just to get some breaths. This is the place, and we don't even realize it, this is the place we are without God. You are at a place where you cannot breathe when you're not in his presence. Here's the thing about it. Here's how our eyes are sometimes blinded. Is that we don't even realize what we're missing. And if anyone ever says, well, you know, I've tried God and, uh, you know, it's okay and I can do okay with that. I don't need to go to somebody's church just to, you know, uh, serve the Lord. And I kind of tried him. My, uh, my, my thing to you would be, you've never tasted God because once you taste and see that you cannot, there's nothing that will replace the presence of God. Now I know that that might, that might hurt somebody this morning. Because you might say, well, I've, I've tried God, but I'm here to tell you, if there's not a longing in your spirit for the presence of God, you've not really tried his presence. 
You've not really been in the presence of the Lord. You've not really seen a miracle in the presence of God. You've not really been changed. Now, you might be saved. Yes, your heart, you may have given your heart to Jesus. But to feel his presence, like David was in his presence, just to be away from it. He said, as the deer pants for the water brooks, that's how my soul longs for you. Our confession is, I thirst more for God. I thirst for you, Lord. You are paramount. You are the most important thing. In fact, without you, there is nothing. There is nothing else without God. Our confession, I thirst for more of God. God wants us to jump in the deep water. We need it. Our body is two-thirds water. We have to have it. And we don't even realize it sometimes. Thinking of another story, there was a story of a man who saw a water fountain. And for the first time in his life, he had seen this water fountain. It was relatively new, so it tells you how long ago this story was. And uh, he said, okay, great, there's a water fountain, I'm thirsty, I need some water. So he went over, he really didn't know how to work it. Okay, and so what he did was he just started pushing buttons and doing different things on the water fountain, but he couldn't get it to work. No water would come out of the water fountain. And the more he tried, the thirstier he got. And I don't know, maybe the man couldn't read because there was a sign on the water fountain that said, bend over and water will come out. Well, what happened was this water fountain had one of those sensors on it and it knew uh, when you bend over, you know, then the water comes up. I thought about that story and I said, what a great illustration for us as Christians. Come into the presence of the Lord, bend over, and water comes out. Stand straight up, try to push buttons, do everything else that you want to do. No water, no presence. But when you come and you bend your will... When you bend your spirit, when you are humble in the presence of God, more water will come out than you can handle because God is more than enough. God lives in a land, folks. We may not realize it, but he lives in a place. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a place called too much a reveal because God is just too much. He is too much. You ever talk to somebody and say, boy, you too much. Keith, you too much, man. God is too much. That's how he lives. And you can't say not so much because that's who he is. He can't help but be who he is. When the universe is in you, you're too much. You're too much. Why would we look for anything else? Even the bank only has so much money. Your cabinet only has so much food. You can only talk to a person so long. They can only encourage you and tell you how great you are for so long. God is never ending. He has all of that and more. We used to say when I was in school, he's all of that and a bag of chips. He's the extra. He's too much. Why would we go anywhere else? Five going deeper worship experiences. This is what I want to leave with you today. We must go deeper. There's got to be a place for all of us that we can get to. You know, we, we look around, we're not satisfied, there's a God-sized hole sometimes. I'm talking to Christians too here this morning. There's a God-sized hole sometimes. And we look around and we just don't understand. I don't understand. God is saying, put everything else aside, pursue me above everything. And guess what? This is how it works. 
He's saying, put everything else aside. Put it all aside. Every, uh, everything. Every single thing. I mean, your jo- I'm not saying quit your job. I'm saying just make it not as important as God, right? Everything. Put your job aside, your spouse, your children. Everything put aside. Your, money, your bank account. Put everything. Make it all second. God said, make me first. Jesus made it very clear. He said, if you will seek me first in my kingdom ways and my righteousness, now look back. All these things will be added unto you. And here's the thing. I'm not adding anything to scripture, but listen, here's what he's really saying. He's saying, now, when I add it to you, I'm going to add it to you with my touch. I'm going to add it to you where no one can take it from you. I'm going to add it to you where, listen, you can't even destroy it as long as you seek me first. Because when I put my touch on it, when I touch it, buddy, that thing prospers. See, we don't don't get that, though, because we still look to the left. We still look to the right. We still try other things. And I'm looking in a mirror. Come on. We still try so many other things instead of pressing toward his purpose. When worship when worship goes deeper, when your soul, I'm not talking about you, I'm not talking about lip service, but worship goes deeper when we have the David effect, when your soul pursues God as the deer pants, pants, pants for the water brook. That's a strong yearning, a longing that does not allow you to stop short. See, when you pant, you're not going to stop until you get there. When you're really panting for the Lord, it pushes you with a desire that will not be satisfied until it finds the cold waters. You know, one of the things that I've found out when you work out or you're doing something strenuous, whether you're doing an activity or you work around the house all day in the hot weather, there is nothing that quenches your thirst like a tall glass of water. I mean, even lemonade is great and it is, you know. But it's got sugar in it, and it'll just make you more thirsty. Let's not even talk about soda, all right? And I'm talking about even the, even the, you know, the power aids and all that are great. I'm sure they are. You guys, some of you guys that work out, y'all, you guys know, I'm sure they are. But just me, I found out that really at the end of the day, man, a glass of water, it just, just quenches my thirst. It really does. We need it. We need it. Psalm 143.5 says, I stretch out my hand to you, O God. My soul longs for you as a parched land. My soul longs. God created us with a desire, but we must cultivate it by reaching out to him. Psalm 63.8, my soul follows closely behind you. Your right hand upholds me. Paul was a seeker and a finder. And a seeker still. Some seek and find. Some seek more. God created us to continue, 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 continue to seek. I heard a story one time about uh, the Dallas Cowboys. I was going to say it, use another adjective, but Brother Jeff is here and he likes the Cowboys, so I won't use the adjective uh, that I wanted to use. But um, the Cowboys, when they were winning their Super Bowls back in the 90s, <clears throat> back in the 90s, Jeff, um, <laughs> he's going to get me for that. <laughs> that there was a, a, a guy who played for them, Emmett Smith, and uh, he was their running back. There was a commercial that came out back then that kind of intrigued me. 
Most people won't even remember it. If you don't watch sports, you definitely won't remember it. And people who watch sports may not even remember it. But it was, he was, they had just won their first Super Bowl of the 90s. All right, and uh, we're a great team. They smashed this other team. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was Buffalo. I mean, they must have beat them 14 gazillion to three, you know, and uh, they, I mean, there was just no contest. And uh, after that, he, they, they found Emmett Smith. He was in the weight room and he was lifting weights and he was talking. He was saying, you know, uh, now that we've won the Super Bowl, I get an opportunity to rest for a little bit. And he put the weights down for about five seconds. Then he started up again. Started up again, and he made a statement. He said, all men are created equal. Some just work harder in the off-season. And what he was saying by that was, yeah, we all are, are, you know, all are created equal. But to those who really want the presence of the Lord, come on. Those who really want to push forth, continue to do that thing. You don't rest on your laurels. You don't get one experience and say, okay, now I've reached it. I'm at the top. I'm at the pinnacle. I don't need to do anything else. David David reached more. He was king, all right? He had everything before him. Uh, But he reached more after he had attained everything than he ever did. Because now he tasted the Lord's presence. And he saw that it was good. Many of you in here, I can look around and tell that many of you in here enjoy the, uh, you know, the, uh, the music of 50 Cent. I know you guys do. And so um, I know Jay does. Dietrich's looking like she doesn't even know who that is. I know you guys don't know. It's a, this, this rapper, right? And uh, I, was, I was listening to an interview of 50, 50 Cent, uh, Jay. And uh, he, was, he was in this interview, and I don't even know why, I was probably flipping through channels. You know, we can never watch uh, commercials anymore. Some people are much more patient, but, you know, when the game's on, they go to commercial, then I start flipping through channels, all right? And uh, they were interviewing him, and uh, he, was in, he was doing a movie. He was in this part of this movie, and then also he was doing the soundtrack for the movie, and they, they were interviewing him in the studio, and they said, wow, you're doing the movie, and then now all of a sudden you're in a, when you're not shooting the film... You're in a studio during the soundtrack. They said, when do you sleep? He said, well, one day I'll sleep, but sleeping is for poor people. <laughs> you know, sleeping is for people who don't want excellence in what they do. And, I, you know, it kind of hit me. It, it wasn't about the sleep and it wasn't about 50 cent. But I just, you know, everything I kind of relate, you know, I just can't help it, uh, you know, to the word of God and my Christian walk. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, so, so many, so often we slumber. You know, so often we get tired. Listen. When you're reading your word late at night, we'll, we'll read. We'll read a half a chapter, half a passage, get a little tired, say, well, that's enough for tonight. And you let, you let the, I know, because I do it. Don't, you know, I know, you ain't got to go, oh, man, that's me. Yeah, that's me too. I know. We give up too easy. We give up. If you want to press in, press in. You got plenty of time to sleep. You got plenty of time to do other things. Press into the Lord. Take a chance. Jump into the deep end. Do it with some passion. You could do it. Why give up? Why go through life sitting on the sideline? You, you look at other people. Dietrich and I listened to this book called The Outliers. Anybody ever heard of that? Maybe not. 
Some people know. Okay. Uh, very, it's a very interesting book. It just is sort of a study on successful people and that type of thing and what they went through and all of that type of thing. And you, it's very interesting that we all look to people and we, you, we look to, you know, whoever it is, a great actor or actress, whether it's Meryl Streep or some great athlete, Peyton Manning or some, you know, whoever it is that just does things or even, you know, uh, Christian preachers, you know, T.D. Jakes or Billy Graham, you know, how great he is. Boy, he is just so anointed and he is just so talented as if he just woke up and he came out of the womb and woke up and just uh, people just started coming to the altar just because he was born and that was it. Now listen, I'm not saying that people aren't born for things. I, I, I agree with that. But I guarantee you, if you have a conversation with Billy Graham, he'll tell you every day is not peaches and cream. There's a lot of days where I had to work. God didn't, ju- he, although he could have, but God did not just by osmosis put all of this stuff in his mind. He had to read his word. He had to study. He had to read upbraideth not. What does upbraideth mean? I got to go figure out what. The, he had to study the thing. He had to spend hours and hours in prayer. You think Catherine Kuhlman just came out on the stage and was so confident. Said, oh, I know everybody in here is getting healed. Wave my hand. People are healed. Read her book. She was, she was tarrying backstage before she came out. And when, when people came up to get healing, Lord, I have faith, but Lord, I just pray that you bless this thing. I mean, you know, help me, Lord. You know, there's something in me. My knees are shaking. She was back there tearing. She was working. She was sweating. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, this is the son of God, was sweating as blood was coming out. You want to tell me he didn't work? He got up early in the morning. People came around him all the time, wanted to hear something, wanted to hear a word or see him do a sign. When could he get by himself? He had to get up at 3 o'clock instead of 4 o'clock just to go pray. I don't know when he got a cup of coffee. But listen, there's plenty of time for those. We need to press in. We have got to press into this thing. We have got to become Thirsty, thirsty. Worship goes deeper when your soul is thirsty for God. You'll have a deeper worship experience. That's our part of it. Remember I was saying, God is sovereign. Of course he is. God can do whatever he wants to do. He can create robots. He can create puppets. But guess what? That's not what he did. He created you and I to have relationship with us. And relationship is a two-way street, even with God. It's a two-way street. And in order for us to experience the, the purpose of God in our life, we must be a thirsty people for God. When a man pants after God, it is a secret life within which makes him do it. This is Charles Spurgeon saying this. It proves a renewed nature when you long after God. It is a work of grace in your soul. Psalm 107.9 says, he satisfies the hungry soul with goodness. He satisfies the hungry soul with goodness. We must have a holy desire and thirst for him. I was looking at another story, John Piper. He's an author and was a pastor. And he was reading John 4.14, one of my favorite books, probably my favorite book of the Bible, uh, the book of the gospel of John. And he read this and said, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again. But 
the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now listen, he's a pastor, he's a studier. When he read that, he cried out, what do you mean, Lord? I am so thirsty. He didn't understand it. My church is thirsty. Jesus, what do you mean? Piper meditated on this. And finally, a thought came to his mind. The reason why he was screaming that out is because the word said that he who thirsts after me, I will give him drink and he will not thirst anymore. And he, and he was saying, well, wait a minute. We have been thirsty. We have experienced your presence and we're thirsty again for more. I don't understand what you mean. He came to this revelation. When you drink my water, your thirst is not destroyed forever, God says. If I did that, would you feel any need of water afterward? That is not my goal. I do not want self-sufficient saints. I want saints that depend on me for their every breath. A spring satisfies thirst, not by removing the need you have for water, but by being there to give you water whenever you get thirsty again and again and again. We thirst again and again and again. Therefore, God takes us from glory to glory to glory. There is no end to the glory of God. We can't get it in one day. We're not going to get it in one church service. We worship one time. Boy, we got the glory of God. That's it. That's not it. There, we have no idea how deep God goes. We have no idea the depth of the Lord. And we're standing on the sideline watching it go by. How deep is God? How satisfying is he? Listen, worship goes deeper when your soul loves God's house. When you love the house of the Lord. Verse 4 in that talks about, he's, he's, in, in Psalm 42, David saying that there's things that I go over and over emptying out my pockets in life. I was always at the head of the worshiping crowd. I was, I was right in front, David's exclaiming in here. Always eager, always arriving at worship, shouting praises. I was always singing thanksgiving, celebrating for all of us at God's feast because there was something in me that always wanted to be there. And when today's over, I go to sleep, I wake up the next day, I want to be there again in God's presence. Psalm 5, 7 says, but as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, that's reverence, I will worship toward your holy temple. There was something in David that just could not help worshiping the Lord and God blessed him. See, out of all the things that David did wrong, come on, he was a murderer, we know these things right? He was an adulterer. He did all of that. I mean, there were times when he even doubted. David did all those things. Yet, still looking back on it, God said, he is a man after my own heart. Paul said, David was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he was a worshiper. He went from glory to glory to glory. He went deeper with the Lord. Worship goes deeper when your soul worships, listen now, when your soul worships in the hard places. There's some hard places. But if you give up and stop worshiping just because you got to the hard place, you'll never experience deep worship. You'll never experience it. 
And then David said this in verse 5 of that same chapter. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh my God. Oh, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. See, he began to remember all that God had brought him through. And when he was able to do that, he was able to worship the Lord in the hardest place he had ever been in his life. What was he saying? He was saying, why are you discouraged, my soul? Why are you restless in this thing? He's telling himself. This is the point where it said David encouraged himself in the Lord. This is the psalm that came out of that thing. He told himself, put your hope in God because I will still praise him. He was saying to himself, why are you so sad? Why am I so troubled? Why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying? Fix your eyes on God. Soon I'll be praising him again. Don't be cast down. And then finally, worship goes deeper when your soul has a deep cry. A deep cry. See, verse 7 says, Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. Remember I said we need to get to the point where we jump in that thing and it's over our head. Deep calls unto deep. There's something in us that God put there that calls out to a deeper place. Something that we'll never experience unless we jump off of the deep end. See, I would tell you that if you go to the pool and you, you know, step down into the two foot, I would tell you you're not really swimming. You're just standing in water. God has called us to swim with him. Until you go, you haven't really impressed me when you just stand up in the two feet and it's just up to here. Standing in water, that's great. Wow, ooh, you did something. Right? You want to impress me, go over there to the 12 feet where you cannot see the bottom and jump in. Jump into that till it goes over your head. Folks, this is what God is calling us to today, this very day, this very moment. He's calling us to a deeper place in him. God is saying there is so much right off the edge that you can't see. But because you can't see it, you won't jump in it. Psalm 57 two says, I cry out to God, O Most High, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. God has everything we need. God has everything you want. God has the desires of your heart, those things that you long for. He has perfect relationships. He is a comforter. He has perfect healing. He has perfect deliverance. He has perfect smiles. Come on. Who couldn't smile a little more? Some of y'all need to smile a little bit more. God has happiness, he has perfect joy, he has perfect prosperity, he has everything we need and everything we want. All it costs us is one jump into the deep end. It's going to cost us one jump into the deep end.